Welcome to the Speak Up Talk Radio Network. I am Pat Rulo. We specialize in author interviews, audiobook, and podcast production, as well as the prestigious Firebird Book Awards and the Positive Change Podcast Awards. We also feature our fun and short podcast that allows authors to record their own writing tip to share on our very own Boom Bang Oh My Gosh Wow podcast, which you will find right along with the rest of our offerings at speakuptalkradio.com. I'm excited today because I get to share a recent Firebird Book Award winning author with you. He is Michael Carlson and his winning book is titled The Eyes of Others, a Watchtower Thriller. Michael is an award-winning political fiction author and was named one of the 50 great writers you should be reading by the author's show in 2018. He is a former U.S. Army paratrooper and retired Army National Guardsman. He conducted over 50 airborne operations following the completion of jump school at Fort Benning in 1998 and trained on several occasions with the British Airborne, earning British parachutist wings. Michael participated in several international jump competitions and traveled to Arnhem for an anniversary jump celebrating the Allied sacrifice during Operation Market Garden in World War II. He graduated with a Master of Arts in American History in 2010 and a BS in International Business from Marist College in 1996. He is an avid traveler and an unabashed political junkie, and you can find him at michaelcarlson.com. And with a background like that, I'm sure we have lots to talk about. So welcome to the network, Michael. Thank you so much for having me, Pat. Oh, I love finding out people's bios and their backgrounds because all you get, all I get to see is the book. And it's like, who is this person behind the book? So uh, I'm always interested to find out more. And congratulations on winning the Firebird Book Award. Thank you so much. It was actually a, a huge honor to get those awards. Uh, I'm incredibly proud of this book. And, you know, it's just nice to see that kind of recognition um, from Firebird. Oh, thank you. And thank you for joining us. It was an honor to have you here because you have nine novels right now, right? And counting. It, the list seems to grow exponentially. I'm working on another series right now. I have a new release coming out at the end of this month and the sequel to that one coming out about a month later. So uh, it is increasing very quickly. <laughs> I can just tell by the energy in your voice that you've got a passion for this. And clearly your background informs your writing. It does. Uh, I've, I like to tell people I've lived my best life. I've I like most people, I don't think I really wanted they didn't know what I wanted to do when I was younger. So I bounced around a lot in my twenties. But what that did was give me a lot of very rich life experiences. And I incorporate a lot of that into my writing. Think places I've gone, the things I've done, um the inspiration for my first series uh came from being a substitute teacher. Uh so I really try to incorporate a lot of that into my writing. Oh, my. So what called you to write? Was there a, a, a specific incident where you said, ah, I've got to start writing this down? No, I just have a hyperactive imagination. <laughs> uh, these stories tend to get stuck in my head. I've never really been – I've always been good in, at writing. I, I'll do essays and stuff. Obviously, in college, you do a, writing, a lot of writing of papers and whatnot. Uh, but I always had stories stuck in my head, and they just never found that creative outlet. Uh, when I got, when I first started dating my now wife, um, she is a huge fan of reality television, of which is a genre I despise. So after being subjected to that, I just turned to her one day and says, I think I'll write a book. And of course she goes, oh, okay, yeah, whatever. You know, <laughs> and she goes back to watching, I think it was The Bachelor at the time. <laughs> And I just started writing. 
I love telling stories. I love telling stories in person. Uh, it was the first time I'd ever tried to put it to an actual medium. And it turned out to be really a fantastic book. It's still one of my bestsellers today, and it was written a decade ago. So uh, it's just a creative outlet for me and one I really enjoy doing as often as possible. What's the title of your first book? My first book is called The Eye Candidate. It's about a history teacher who made a bet, makes a bet with his students that they can't all get A's on their final exam. And the stakes are, if he loses, he has to run for Congress. <laughs> uh, it really stemmed from a true story. When I was substituting, they loved making bets with me. You know, oh, we don't want to do this. Okay, well, I'll make you a bet. If we do this, then you won't give us this pop quiz or this assignment or whatever. And I just figured, well, that would actually make a really funny story. Um, lo and behold, he loses and decides that, wow, this would be a great lesson in real-world civics for these kids. And he oh. decides to run a campaign using nothing but social media, which, when I wrote it 10 years ago, probably doesn't have quite the stigma that it does today. Right. But he actually becomes a threat to the incumbent <laughs> and let the games begin. It really is one of those books that um, is very, very character-driven. Uh, reacting to things that just sort of go off the rails. And it's just a very inspiring and, and heartwarming story to watch them all go through these struggles. Oh, my. I love that premise. That is just so awesome. I could see why it's still popular today. It's just very, very neat. And what's great about it is in the sequels, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things that would have been very easy to delve into issue-based politics. And I avoided doing that. In fact, I avoid that in all my novels, uh, not because I'm afraid to discuss issues, but because they are so divisive in today's society. So he really, that series specifies a lot on governmental process, the games that are being played in Washington, D.C., uh, and really, it's something I think most Americans can get behind. He, he runs as an independent, so he's not politically affiliated. So it's really a novel and a series of novels that speak to all readers. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. I'm going to have to check that out. All righty. Well, let's dig into the current one that just won the Firebird, The Eyes of Others, a Watchtower thriller. Maybe give us a peek. It really starts with the premise of what if, like many novels do, what if you could see someone's memories through their eyes. So Boston Hollinger, his first name is Eugene. He goes by Boston because in the military, you have a tendency to come up with nicknames. And his unit all called each other by the names of the cities or states they were born in. So there was Georgia, Columbia, Mexico. He ended up being Boston. And in a Attack in Syria, uh, an ISIS attack against their base. He was critically injured. He had a TBI, a traumatic brain injury. And then you basically fast forward a couple of years, and he's, he's haunted by these strange dreams that he can't really explain. He's seeing things that he doesn't understand and decides they start getting worse and worse. As he's going through this process of really uncovering that these aren't dreams at all, he is actually seeing the memories of other people there is a massive security leak in Washington, D.C. Boston works for the intelligence, uh, an intelligence arm of Congress. So he's got a building of 535 elected officials and countless staff members that any one of them could be this leak that is getting people killed, getting American soldiers killed. And he knows that it is someone that he's close to because he's seeing 
the person who's providing this information through their memories, meaning he has been in close contact with them. And the story follows his travels of not only trying to understand how this dream memory thing works, but also getting ensnared in a massive mole hunt and actually at one point being blamed as the mole and being pursued because of that. So it is really one of those stumbling through life with everybody chasing you in a very heart-pumping novel with a really dramatic finish. It's one of those things where I, I kind of challenge the reader to say, what if this happened to me? Mm-hmm. It, it's a gift and it's a curse. And it, as we get into some of the sequels of this book, that gets explored a little bit more. Um, he tries to view it as a gift, but there are so many things. I think there are so many memories you would not want to see yeah. of someone else's life because this gift that he has is really triggered by traumatic events. So you're not going to have a memory. He's not going to have a memory of somebody going to the supermarket and picking up a gallon of milk. Mm-hmm. He's going to see something traumatic or something very, very stressful in that person's life. And that's a really hard thing to live with, especially if you have no capability to turn it off. Mm-hmm. And as we get into later sequels of this, it will be the psychological toll it is taking on him starts to get further explored. Because the one thing the government is very good at doing when something like this happens is turning it into a weapon. And ostensibly, that is what's going to start happening with him, thus the Watchtower thrillers. Absolutely. The weaponization of everything. Unfortunately, that is the world (laughs) we seem to live in at times. (laughs) Yes, it is. So where did this idea come from? I had dabbled writing a screenplay about this. I really thought this would be something that would be very interesting, you know, either as a movie or a made-for-TV movie. So I had written the screenplay for it, and, and I decided, okay, well, I think maybe I'll try to adapt this to novel format because you can get far more in-depth um, in, in the explanation than, than you can in a, in a screenplay-type format. I don't know, it was just one of those questions, I think, during a commute one day that just popped into my head. What if you could do this? And Mm -hmm. can I build a compelling, interesting story around being able to see someone else's memories? And being a political fiction writer and being able to weave in the machinations of Congress and and the games that are being played there. Uh, You have two rival senators who are involved in this working for different committees and, and trying to take each other down. You have the FBI who's involved in this, who is being embarrassed. The NSA is involved in this. So there's a lot of three-letter agencies with st- with skin in the game. And this, I'm just like, okay, can I weave this into a story that would entertain, enlighten, and really get somebody rooting for the protagonist? Mm-hmm. And you know, it's not that far-fetched. I mean, with technology these days, the brain initiative and all that's, that's being studied and going on, um, I wouldn't be surprised to see this come to fruition at some point in time. It's funny. When I do the explanation, so I did a lot of research on the brain in writing this and, and how humans dream and, and where that comes from. And I, when I had written the explanation that the doctor he meets gives him uh, explaining how she thinks this is working, I had read it to my wife. She goes, really? We can do that? So at least from a, a fictional perspective, it's realistic enough where somebody might say, okay, well, yeah, I can absolutely see something like that happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I say, I don't think it's too far-fetched uh, in the in the future here. You obviously did quite a bit of research to prepare or during the writing process. 
Yeah, it's it's a little bit of an educator. I don't have a lot of background in, in medical anything. Right. Um, so talking about traumatic brain injuries, talking about how we dream, what goes on during the sleep cycles, REM, and, and, and the different waves that are being emitted, it required a decent amount of research. I, I do quite a bit for most of my books. Some of it requires how explosives work. Some of it, <laughs> how different organizations train. Uh, this was just the one that I really needed to focus on for for this set of novels. I always uh, think about if somebody were tracking your uh, online history, they they might think you were up to some nefarious uh, plots here. Oh, I could tell you categorically, I would be in prison. <laughs> Uh, when I wrote The Eyes of Innocence, it, it, which is the sequel to this novel, he goes to Arizona to uh, – he's being assigned by his the, by the Watchtower team to work on what is looking like a human trafficking ring. So I did a lot of research, not only in the state of Arizona, in the, in the greater Phoenix area, the border, but also – how sex traffickers work. And I can imagine that if I was ever snooped on by the NSA, yep. I would be having a very uncomfortable conversation in a room because it was pretty bad. <laughs> Don't answer your door. How's that? Oh, no. Yeah, I'm always on the lookout for black helicopters. <laughs> I understand. That's so funny. I do quite a bit of weird research myself for all kinds of reasons here. And uh, one day, this helicopter was just circling the house. I went to the front door and I thought, what is going on? And this helicopter actually dipped into the, the front yard. And I thought, all right, my time's up. It's, the, it's my online searching finally got me. We had a very similar incident. We don't actually don't live that far from an airport, and there was a helicopter who was sort of hovering, and I went out to the sliding glass door, and, <laughs> and, my, and my wife yells out from the other room, what is it? I'm like, they found me. And she just yells back, it's about time. <laughs> exactly. Yay. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love that. We're a little, a little nervous here. All righty. So what, what, what kind of feedback have you been getting? It was so. I, this is actually the rewrite. The, the initial book was published in 2015, and it, it did okay. But it, I found that the way I had structured it made it very difficult for people to keep up with. So I did a rewrite and republished it very, very recently. So um, the, the feedback's been outstanding. It, it's one of those stories where you, you get to really root for the protagonist. In that way, it's, it's very similar to like a Jack Reacher type character or even a Jason Bourne. While he might not have those skill sets, he has a gift that he uses very similar to those characters. And he's very easy to get behind. You can sympathize with what he's going through, especially in the sequel where you're getting the feeling that he's just being used for this gift. Um, so, And it's filled with a lot of very compelling supporting cast. In the eyes of others, he, he brings in a couple of old army buddies, one of which is just very, very obnoxious and is patterned after a guy I served with almost perfectly um, because he was just like that. And another guy who serves as, as, as the yin to his yang. And it just makes for really interesting reading, even watching the interplay between the two of them and, and how they relate back to Boston. Uh, but they, yeah, I've gotten great reception from it. it. It's a fun series. I think it's something that will continue to grow in interest as I continue to uh, crank out sequels to it. Oh, gosh, that's so exciting. And now you say you have two more in the works, right? I have. Well, I see. I have. That's yeah. the ones I'm working right now for a slightly different series. I'll be returning to this one probably the very beginning of 2023. Okay. Um, I'm just deciding which plot line to go with. I have about four or five right now on 
the ideas on paper, one of which is fleshed out decently. I'm just not sure which order I want to release them in. His journey is going to be a very interesting one, and I just want to make sure I have his story arc correct. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm not sure which one I'm going to go with, but I would say probably by the end of the first quarter of next year, you'll probably see another one of these sequels out. It's looking like uh, it's either going to be well, actually, I'm not going to spoil it because I'm okay. not sure. All right. We'll just have to wait, and it's worth the wait. All righty. As we begin to wrap up, anything we missed that you wanted to highlight about your book, The Eyes of Others? No, I just think, you know, I, I encourage everybody to give it a try. It is one of those novels that I think will, it's not too heavy that you couldn't read on a beach. I think it's a, a very fun journey, and it's something that will absolutely keep your interest all the way to the end. And I can promise you it's not an ending anyone's going to expect. Oh, well, just from the energy of your voice, I think everyone's going to head over and, and get a copy and pay attention to this conversation. So why don't you give us contact information? Where can we go to find out more about you and get copies of all of your books? Yeah, everything is available on Amazon. Uh, they're mostly available for Kindle, paperbook, and hardback. I do have a couple of audiobooks out for another series. I am looking to convert these to audiobook as well. And I can be reached at michaelcarlson.com. All my contact and social media information is there. Okay, excellent. Michael Carlson, and he spells it M-I-K-A-E-L Carlson.com. michaelcarlson.com. The book is titled The Eyes of Others, a watchtower thriller. I think everyone can tell just by the energy and passion in your voice that uh, you are somebody to pay attention to. So thank you for sharing you with us and the fire burden. You're always welcome here. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure being here.